Well, I sure hope you came tonight to dine with us. Pull a seat up at the table and let's just open up the Word of God and let's feast here tonight. It's good to be in the Lord's house, isn't it? I'd rather be here as any place on this earth tonight. I'd rather be right here rejoicing the, rejoicing with you and the Lord and, and uh, just be uh, prayerful for me tonight as we uh, try to uh, exposit upon the Word of God. It's such a wonderful, wonderful privilege, as Pastor Steve was talking this morning. We just love to preach. We love to, 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 to study and prepare uh, messages, and we grow in that. I tell you what, the preachers grow as much as anybody does in preparation of, uh, of these wonderful, wonderful uh, messages that the Lord gives us, how He speaks to our hearts as we, as we go through His Word, and how we, we can feed upon that, feast at Jesus' table all the time. As Pastor Steve was talking this morning, if you only get the Word of God on Sunday, you're, you, you ought to be hungry the rest of the time because you need more than what we can only give you on Sunday. It's only we're here to encourage you to dig into the, into the Scriptures, dig into the Word of God, and find something there that will help you live out your life for Jesus Christ in a glorious, glorious way. Because He's worthy of it all, isn't He? He really is. Uh, I'd like to ask you tonight, if you would, to stand with me. Let's turn uh, to uh, John chapter 7, verse 37. We're in the uh, 7th chapter of John, and we'll begin our reading here in the 37th verse. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scriptures said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, but Jesus was yet was not yet glorified. Verse 40. Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, This is the Christ. Still, others were saying, Surely the Christ is not coming or not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the Scripture said that Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Verse 43, So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, And they said to them, Why do you not bring him? The officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You've not been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers of the Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our laws does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? They answered him, you're not, from, you're not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. These are some really smart men, they think. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for your blessed word. Lord, help us not to only speak your word, Lord, but may it be anointed. May it, Lord, reach, reach the target that it needs to reach tonight, Lord, in, in, in exposition and in our ability to understand it. And God, give us the ability, ability to apply it to our lives. Oh, God, tonight may we not leave the same way that we came, but we leave overjoyed and glad that we have been in the house of the Lord. Lord, we pray tonight that you lead and guide our thoughts. Lead and guide everything that is said here tonight, Lord, for it's all about you, and it's all for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we praise you to tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> now, we've been going through the, the book of John, and we've been in, interrupted several times because of the sickness and the, or the COVID uh, business and the us having to stay home and, uh, and be separated has kind of interfered 
with our uh, going through the book of John. We're probably three chapters or at least behind because we've uh, of our services that we've missed. But tonight we're here. I'm glad I'm here and I'm glad you're here. Most of all, I'm glad that the Holy Spirit is always with us and he's here with us tonight as well. The title of our message tonight is The Invitation and the Decision. Do you like to make decisions? It's not always easy to make good decisions. We've all made foolish decisions. That's why they're decisions. We have to make a choice. And we're human. Sometimes we make bad choices. But God is gracious. God is merciful. But tonight, we're, I want to take you to the celebration that is going on here in Jerusalem. Here in the book of John, chapter 7, this celebration was an annual event called the Feast of Tabernacles. Each day of this, of this glorious seven-day celebration, the high priest, he would fill a golden vessel with water from the pool of Siloam. The water would be carried in a procession back to the temple with the people rejoicing, going down the street, praising the Lord, and they would rejoice. And on this joyous occasion, three trumpet blasts would be made from a ram's horn called a shofar. Some of you, if you've never seen one, there's one back here in, uh, in the conference room, a shofar. It's a big, long uh, ram's horn. But they would, they, would, uh, they would sound this horn three times a day during this procession, during this glorious uh, um, uh, um, procession going down the, uh, going down the, uh, the street. They was rejoicing in the Lord. How we need that rejoicing today, don't we? The church ought to be rejoicing, looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ if we would only catch a glimpse of the fact that his return is imminent. That means it's going to happen. He's coming again, and we have to be watchful. We have to be waiting. We have to be anticipating because he's coming, never to be complacent. We ought to always be looking for his coming and rejoicing with each and every passing day. But upon reaching the temple, the choir sang the Hallel, the H-A-L-L-E-L. The Hallel, you'll find that in Psalm chapter 113 through chapter 118. And they would sing these psalms, or they would pray, they would pray these psalms. And I told Pastor Steve, I said, I said you know, we, we really ought to study the Hallel the, uh, and, the, and the way that the way that they administered this prayer or this song during this wonderful celebration, this annual celebration, the Feast of Tabernacles. But during, uh, uh, during this celebration, they would bring the water into the temple and they would pour the water at the base of the altar. And they would march, the priests would march around the altar. Now listen, it was a celebration going on. Because they knew that God had, in fact, brought their ancestors through the wilderness. The 40-year wanderings. They knew that their ancestors had crossed the Red Sea. They knew that God had delivered them out of bondage in Egypt. I want you to know, Christians... You have been delivered from the bondage of Egypt. You've been delivered from the bondage of the world. Through Jesus Christ, he is your escape. He is the ark that brings you through and that will take you on to glory one day. What a glorious picture this is. This ritual... It commemorated God's provision of water that came out of, out of the rock during the, uh, Israel's 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. The practice also pointed to the future outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the days of Messiah as prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. It was also a symbolic prayer for rain. They needed rain for the crops, so this was part of the celebration. But on the eighth and the last day of the feast, oh, folks, it's going to get interesting here. Things were done differently on this particular day. There was another substitute. There was another source. On this day, the Lord Jesus substituted himself as the source of water from which a man could drink. He was the fountain 
of living water. He was the, he was the fountain that never runs dry. Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the one that's coming again. He's the one I'm talking about. And he is the source that will never run dry on you. He'll never run dry on me. But he's promised he's going to return. But in the meantime, we are sustained by his Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to look into tonight. Let's look at verse 37 again. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Jesus stood among the crowd. All the celebration was going on. They had always brought the water from the pool of Siloam in this golden vessel. But there was a new man in town that was causing quite a stir. He said, Jesus, he stood there among the crowd on the eighth day, the great day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And it says that he... He, he, he stood there, he boldly stood there before uh, this jubilant crowd in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, he cried out, or John said that Jesus cried out. Now this word, the Greek word is pronounced kradzo, K-R-A-D-Z-O. Kradzo, that is the transliterated Greek word for believe. The Greek word pronounced kradzo is also, or, or, or not believe, but scream, to call out. The Greek word here means to shout. It means to scream. It means to call aloud. There was an urgency about the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Steve was talking this morning about an urgency among the church for the lost. There's a great need in our community, in our nation, for the world to hear the gospel. They need to hear of the judgment that is to come if they reject the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, it's not all good news. It's only good news for those who come to Christ. So Jesus, on this, on this day of celebration, everybody is happy. Everybody has, has, had a, has had a wonderful time. And here comes this man named Jesus. Who in the world does he think he is? And he's boldly standing here before the crowd, and he's screaming to the top of his lungs, He, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The invitation, there's two parts. Come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. Now, the condition... It's a conditional participle used here. If you see that word, if, it's a conditional invitation extended to who? To anyone who is thirsty. That's, again, two parts. To anyone who is thirsty. That's the criteria. To anyone who is thirsty. That is the, that is the condition. That's the condition that Jesus puts upon this thirst-quenching ability that he has. In this verse, you'll notice that Jesus is speaking to every individual in this massive crowd. He's not only talking to the Jewish leaders, but he's talking to everyone in in, uh, his hearing. If only they be thirsty. That's part of the, of the problem in society today. That's part of the problem that the church is dealing with today is people in general are not thirsty. You can preach till your eyeballs pop out. You can pray till you fall on your face asleep. Until they become thirsty. You know something? If you've got a horse and you've been riding him hard, if he's thirsty and you cross 
a creek, you don't have to make him drink. He's going to bow up on you, and he's going to get him a cool drink of water. That's what is going on around us in this community and every community around the world. Men are not thirsty for righteousness. They do not thirst for the God of the Bible. So don't feel like a complete loser if you're having difficulty seeing your children saved, seeing your grandchildren or your neighbors saved, that you've seen them out in alcohol, you've seen them dealing with drugs all this time. You keep the faith no matter what becomes of them. Stay true to God in all things. I'm preaching to me this evening. But Jesus cried to the crowd, and he said in verse 38, He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What a glorious promise. The invitation had been given. It's an open invitation to the one who believes in him, to the one who will come, to the one who is thirsty, to the one who believes in him. Those are the conditions, and it's an open invitation. The Greek word pronounced pistuo is used here. The word believe. Many people, we hear, oh, yes, I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe. Do you? Do they really believe? That word, the reason why I'm bringing this word up, I'm not very smart. I look this stuff up. I prepare, and I bring it to you so that you can know what I learned, okay? I didn't already know this. I had to look it up. Total disclosure, okay? This word is pistuo, P-I-S-T-E-U-O, pistuo. You might even want to write it down. They, they translate it in the Scriptures, believe. Well, I started scratching my head, and I'm like, he who believes in me, well, let's see, I, I believe in a lot of things, but it won't necessarily save me. I can believe stuff that's false, and it still be a lie. But this word, if we look closely at it, it means to trust. It means to obey. It means to trust and obey. So what it tells you and I, if we, if, we, if we use our noggin here, what it tells us is if we believe, we trust God, and we obey God. Those two things. The Bible knows nothing of believing and not trusting. The Bible knows nothing of believing and not obeying. So let's obey what the Scriptures say. It's important. Pastor Steve was talking this morning, about, and I don't mean to pick, pick you apart, Pastor. I, I don't mean that at all. But he was talking this morning about folks that, that, uh, that, that believe or, let, let me get this right. I lost that train of thought, y'all. I did. Maybe it'll come back to me. I had a senior moment. No offense, seniors. I had a moment. Maybe I had a Daryl moment. But listen, we have to trust and we have to obey. If one doesn't trust and obey, then that individual does not meet the criteria of a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What is our Lord saying here? When he says... From his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. For the one who trusts and obeys, for the one who believes, for the one who trusts and obeys, Christ will give an everlasting, flowing, never-ending, never-failing, soul-satisfying, thirst-quenching inner supply of living water. That's what he's saying here. If you trust Him and you obey Him, then you believe in Him, then He has promised you that He will, that he will place in you in your innermost. If you look that up, that means that there's a cavity. There's an inner cavity. In your inner cavity, He will place in you flowing rivers of living water. You see, the Lord wants to, wants to give you the resources. He, he, he gives us the resources that we need to live for Him if we truly trust Him, and we truly obey Him. That is, 
who truly believe in him. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's trying. Yes, we're tested. Yes, we fail. Yes, we do stupid stuff. But God is gracious. God is wise. God is powerful. He's wonderful. We're weak. I know what it was now. We ought not be beating ourselves up, telling ourselves how, how no good we are, how no account we are. That's what I was thinking this morning, Pastor Steve. We ought not run ourselves in the ground. The world will do that for you. You don't have to do it. You don't have to give the devil a hammer to hit you in the head with. He'll do that. He'll discourage you if you let him. The Bible tells us to speak psalms to ourselves, to praise him in the good times and in the bad times. I preach to myself all the time. I drive down the road like a maniac preaching to myself. I need it. I need it. What is the living water which flows like a river that is going to give that he's going to give to you and I who trust and obey him. What is this living water? I bet you know. He's clearly talking about the Holy Spirit of God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. John explains in an inspired footnote here in verse 39, but this he spoke of the Spirit. There it is. It's not hard. That's what he says. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Not later, but when you believe, when you trust, when you obey, you receive the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit was not yet given at this time. Why? Because Jesus had not yet been glorified. He had not yet ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high. The Holy Spirit is not available to those who are unrepentant. I hope that doesn't come as as a surprise to you. Just because Jesus Christ came and he ascended doesn't mean the whole world has got the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches that many are, in fact, dead in their trespasses. Have you ever tried to talk, talk a dead man into anything? When they're dead, they're unrepentant, they don't have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they don't know nothing about the things of the Spirit. They can't receive the things of the Spirit. And that's what we're dealing with, church. Let's don't get mad at them, let's don't hate them, and let's don't knock ourselves in the head because we can't reach them. It takes the Holy Spirit doing what the Holy Spirit does to reach those that are dead, spiritually dead. On the other hand, the Holy Spirit is absolutely guaranteed to those who genuinely come to Jesus Christ. I love it when God guarantees it because it's going to happen when he guarantees it. For those who repent of their sins, they're guaranteed the Holy Spirit. For unless, the Bible says, for unless we're born of the water and of the Holy Spirit, that we cannot enter the kingdom of God. Paul said, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. We're set apart by the Holy Spirit, aren't we? The Bible says you've been set apart for obedience. It's so important that we understand the obedience part because that's the believing part. So the Bible teaches that the the believer is sealed with that promised Holy Spirit, which is a pledge. You know what a pledge is? If you've ever been in real estate, they call it earnest Earnest money. You know what earnest money is? It's, it, it's kind of like a down payment, but it's saying we're going to enter. We're going to enter this contract. Here's $1,000 to tell you I'm serious. Here's 10000 whatever that number is. This, this is earnest. This is telling you that we're going to fulfill our obligation. The Holy Spirit is the down payment. The Holy Spirit is the earnest money. For God has promised a better place, a better time 
an eternal place, an eternal time in his kingdom. That's what he's promised. The signet from God is the first installment of what is to come. You know, there's something coming, don't you? It's a reminder that we'll receive everything that God has promised. No matter how tired, weary, useless we feel, insignificant, small, unable, we serve a great, mighty God, don't we? We do. So having heard Jesus' words, each individual had a decision to make. Now let me say indecision is not an option. Because if you choose indecision, you actually made a decision. You choose Christ or you choose to reject Christ. They had to consider for themselves, what must I do with this man named Jesus? What am I going to do with this man named Jesus? As with most any crowd, there were, there were mixed responses here this day. This jubilant day when the Messiah came, most of them missed the fact that he was indeed the true prophet, the true Messiah that was prophesied over and over again in the Old Testament. Here he stood before them, and they had to choose. Is, the, is he the one, or is there another? Verse 40 said, some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Some realized that Jesus was no ordinary man. The truths that he spoke and the miracles that he performed, the boldness with which he spoke and the stand that he took set him apart from any other man. There was no one who ever spoke like Jesus. They were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Some were. They were they, some were convinced that he is the prophet. Jesus is indeed the predicted prophet that God promised and Moses spoke of, but many rejected him as such. Verse 41 says, others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Other prophets or other people were convinced that Jesus is the Christ. Apparently, they didn't understand that the prophet and the Christ were one and the same person. Still others questioned Jesus' coming out of Galilee, and they had in mind the, the, the prophecy of, of the Messiah coming from Bethlehem, which he did. They didn't realize that Jesus came from Bethlehem. Verse 42 says, has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Well, had they bothered to carefully consider Christ, they would have found that he met the criteria. The Lord Jesus Christ was indeed a descendant of King David. And he was born in Bethlehem. They were like a lot of folks today. They had an answer before they understood the question. Verse 43 says, So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Jesus always stirred the crowds. Why? Because there was a, de a decision to make. There was a choice to make. For him or against him. There's still that decision to make today. You preach to a crowd of a thousand, and they all have a decision to make if there are many lost folks there. The people, they were divided as to who Jesus really was. The division over Christ continues to this very day. Men are still divided over him. They're still trying to figure out if he's the Savior. So Jesus' invitation to the, to the soul-thirsty caused quite a stir among the people. 
You know, there, there are those in the church today who are thirsty. They thirst for righteousness. They thirst to live in a way that is pleasing to their Lord. And there are others who excuse themselves. They're perfectly comfortable in their sin. That's what we deal with. That's what we deal with. We find in these verses three kinds of people. Those who heed the message. Those who hinder the message by their argumentative spirit. And those who hated the message. We still have those kind of people today. Those who will heed it, those who will hinder it, and those who will hate it. Guarantee you, they're in every crowd. Every crowd. The evidence of their hatred of the message is demonstrated in the hostility of the scribes and the Pharisees towards Jesus. Remember, they ultimately are going to crucify a perfect man. Verse 44, some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. Officers had been sent by the chief priests and the Pharisees, go and arrest this man. We have got to put him away. He is causing such a stir. They wanted him dead. Remember, just a, just a, just a few verses back, he accused them of wanting him dead. And they said that he was mad, that he was insane, that he is crazy. Ask, who do you believe wants to kill you? You're out of your mind. But it was true. And the Lord knew it. The Lord knew of their hatred. There are many that hate Christ today. There are many that hate the church today. The church is mocked today more than any time that I have ever seen it. We see more blasphemy, hear more blasphemy today than we've ever heard in our lives because their hatred for God. But they wanted Jesus dead, but they were divinely restrained from fully acting out their hatred. Why? Because the time had not yet come for the Savior to die. It was going to be about six months later at Passover. The Lord Jesus was under providential protection until the time of His offering of sin. And that would be on a rugged cross. The next verse further explained in verse 45, the officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees and they said to them, why did you not bring him? They were tore up. They were some kind of mad. The officers answered, never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. You don't understand. He, he speaks in a way that no one has ever spoken before. You see, the officers, they were amazed when they heard the words of the Lord Jesus. Yes, they were at the beck and call of the priests. They were at the beck and call of the Pharisees. They were obligated to do their job and arrest Jesus. Yet his words, their excuse was the way he spoke. Their words, the words of our Lord, left them only to say, never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. You see, Jesus' words were not boring like mine can be. Jesus' words weren't monotonous. They weren't rep repetitious of shallow knowledge and wisdom of common man. His teachings, they were rich, trustworthy, and life-changing. When he spoke, there was something special about his words. Can you imagine? It must have been intimidating to stand there, to stand there as the temple officers 
to stand in the presence of God in the flesh. We're here to arrest you. Here they stood before the the creator of all things. He was able to stare into their very eyes. He was able to look into their soul and know precisely every idle thought that they had in their minds. The very one who spoke all of the universe into existence. Catch a glimpse. They could, Jesus could read these men. And it must have been mighty intimidating. A number of times he's described as speaking as one who has authority. He speaks as God himself. Jesus spoke in a way as only God can speak. We read the words, and I, I, I promise you, we're, we're missing the brilliance and the richness of God's Word. It couldn't be written in, in clarity of Word that, in a way that we common folk could understand. Infuriated by the officer's failure to arrest him in verse 47, the Pharisees then answered him and said, You have not also been led astray, have you? These temple officers, they were, they were well-trained Levites. They had been trained well in the law. And the Pharisees are saying, you went down there and you got hoodwinked. You went down there and you got led astray. You couldn't do this one simple task without getting led astray too. The Pharisees' scathing accusation against these officers of possibly being led astray by the words of Jesus, brought into question their spiritual discernment. They were basically mocking. They were being mocked and they were being accused of being ignorant and unlearned. You know what? The vile and spiritually dead will accuse you in the same way. They'll accuse your pastors in the same way. They're ignorant and unlearned. Look, they actually believe that old, that old time Bible. They actually believe those old writings. Yes, we do. Every word. And they're going to believe it too one day when it's too late. They're convinced today that the followers of Jesus Christ are ignorant, that they're uneducated, and they're foolish. I don't mind being a fool for Jesus, do you? I don't mind being a fool at all. I don't want to go along with them. I don't want to satisfy them. I'm tired of them. I want to face Jesus and Him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. The fact of the matter is they didn't know what to do with Jesus. They were caught between the power and grace of Christ's message and the hatred of their leaders. Verse 48 says, No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him. Has he? In other words, how in the world can you believe? No one of of the rulers of the Pharisees has believed, has he? But this crowd which does not know the law is accursed. Again, you went down there, fellas, and y'all got hoodwinked. The Pharisees believed Jesus to be a deceiver. They were the ones who were hoodwinked. They were the ones who were foolish. According to the Pharisees, anyone believing his teachings were deceived and accursed. The Pharisees viewed themselves as the spiritual elite head taller than everybody else. They consider themselves to be too educated and too intelligent to believe on Jesus. And their view was that spiritual matters began and ended with them, with their system, with their scheme. They saw themselves as, as the only ones who were qualified to know the law. I urge you tonight You be qualified in this word. 
Don't look to me to qualify you. You read it and study it yourself. Believe it. Live by it and be prepared to leave the world trusting in it completely. You can be qualified as anyone else to lead people to Christ. You can be as qualified as anyone else to be, to be light in the midst of the dark world. The common people attracted by the Lord's teaching. They knew better than the religious leaders. And this feature is common today. With the base of the world having a far, having a far greater spiritual knowledge of Scripture than those who are theologically mighty. Seminaries are turning out popsicles behind pulpits these days. They can tell you a good joke anytime. They know how to build a church. They know how to draw people in. They know how to keep your attention, entertain you, and keep you pacified where you'll come again. They're very skilled in that way. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says, For consider your calling, brethren. Woo! As there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the, and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not, so that they may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. I wear that with a badge of honor, Pastor Steve. And you should too, brother. And those of you that are trying to win souls for Christ, you wear that with a badge of honor. Be a fool for Jesus. If the world thinks you're a fool, that's okay. Now, a ruler of the Jews by the name of Nicodemus begins to speak here in verse 50. Nicodemus, he who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? Here, Nicodemus appealed to the law in a justifiable way. He said, listen, listen up, guys. Your own law requires... It requires, you know, we see in our nation the madness. People who want to do away with the laws. They desire lawlessness. They want to, they want to change the Constitution. Defund the police. How ignorant can you be unless you want to purposely destroy But here Nicodemus appealed to the law in a justifiable way and adheres to the law. One has the right to be heard before being condemned. Here in America, what do we call that? Do. Call it due process. That's it. In other words, you have your day in court. You get an opportunity to, to defend yourself. Even the Romans didn't condemn a person without being heard. God's law is good, but the priests and the Pharisees had no intentions of abiding by His law. They wanted to do away with the law when they could get to Jesus to have Him killed. As we later witnessed, the trial of the Lord before the Sanhedrin was filled with absolute lies. It was filled with false accusations. Jesus was even, was even accused of casting out demons by the name of Beelzebub, 
Satan. False accusations. This is my last verse. Verse 52. They said to him, that is, the Pharisees and the chief priests said to Nicodemus, you're not also from Galilee, are you? And boy, that's a smart remark, isn't it? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee, would you? The slightest support for Jesus came at a cost of ridicule. Although Nicodemus was a teacher in Israel, they, they sarcastically asked if he was also of Galilee. They were saying, though you are a learned man, you better search the Scriptures a little more and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. What they were implying here is that Nicodemus was ignorant. They were implying that, that he was an ignorant man of the most basic theological truths. But the statements actually exposed their own lack of knowledge, their own ignorance. Since some prophets did in fact come from Galilee. And Jesus was originally from Bethlehem. Nonetheless, their minds were already made up regarding this Jesus. Therefore, they saw no need to seek the truth. They were already convinced in their own minds. They wanted him dead. Stand with me tonight, if you will. Most of this, this text tonight was, was not Jesus speaking, but it was more of his opposition speaking or those who had to make a decision to heed, to hinder, or to hate. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. Your word, we thank you, Lord, for the spiritual food that you give us. Lord, I pray that your people will be emboldened with excitement and with joy and with gladness, keeping our eyes upon the prize, running the race with endurance. Lord, help us to be strong in these trying, testing times. Help us, God, to reach those that are reachable. Help us, Lord, to be a light in a world that does not want light. They prefer darkness over light. Lord, you made us for times such as this. You're still God. You're still on your throne. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to empower us, give us clarity of mind, give us peace at heart, and give us joy that the whole world might see and might desire to have what your people have. For, Lord, our treasures are laid up in heaven. This world knows nothing of what you provide. But, Lord, we know there's a brighter day coming. And we know joy comes in the morning. But Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for our church. Lord, I pray for our deacons for their wives, for the workers, those that are working behind the scenes, doing all of, the, all of the necessary tasks. Lord, we're thankful for those that are still faithful, for those who are still um, busy about your business and not focusing upon how things look sometimes. Lord, give us courage and love for one another, greater and greater and greater, growing all the time. Lord, we pray that you'll pull us together closer and closer and closer as a family of God, and that we'll love one another as a brother, as a sister. Real love, real commitment. Lord, we praise you for your goodness and mercy. Praise you for your grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Well, everybody, it's been good. It's been good to be in the Lord's house, and we're uh, we're glad to be be here physically. Last uh, week we had to we had to uh, live stream from the house in order to bring our message, and Pastor Steve did too. And, um, but we're glad to be able to be together with you. Hopefully, hopefully this this uh, virus business uh, will continue to uh, to be less and less, and we can. Uh, see more and more people flowing back into the churches. Um, Brianna is going to uh, help Miss Ruth with the Zoom. Um, we did Zoom, by the way, last last week uh, in our message, and it, it gives us the opportunity to talk to you and you talk to us maybe 15 or 20 minutes before we start to preach. And uh, Kathy and Bill, they were able to, to sign on with us, and, uh, and they had some guests there at their house. But... Um, I'm very hopeful that we can, we can continue with Bible studies in that way and that we can continue to physically meet here at church and encourage one another. Listen, just because I preach, I get discouraged. I get to want to go hide in the closet sometimes. I get a little weak, get a little tired. And uh, there's, there's things about me you don't, you don't quite know. You don't know how I feel. I don't know how you feel completely, but we're human. And we all get discouraged sometimes. So I encourage you, encourage me and let me encourage you. We can get on Zoom anytime and we can, and we can talk to one another. We can have, a, we can have a, a two-person Bible study or a 30-person Bible study. I don't want to interfere with what Pastor Steve and Wanda is doing here now. I don't want to do anything like that. But just saying it's another opportunity for us to reach uh, uh, or, or to encourage one another and hopefully invite some other people that that's never been to Hope in Christ who will join us and have hope in Christ, right? So uh, if, uh, if, if you have your uh, device with you, your, if you have an Apple phone or Android, maybe Brianna can help, help you through that. I'm kind of putting her on the spot, but she's a, but she's a trooper. She can handle it. Um, but uh, we want to... I know some people had trouble with their audio. Uh, they had trouble. Uh, some some had, had to put in a code or something. But uh, what Brianna can't figure out, Marvin can, okay? So, <laughs> we love y'all. Y'all have a good week. And uh, like I say, if you've got a device or something that you want to try to hook up while we're here, you know, we'll take all the time we need to to do that. And uh, if not, if you just trust and believe that we're going to be here every Sunday uh, uh, physically, then we'll... Uh, uh, you don't, you don't have, well, do it anyway. Just go and do it anyway, okay? So, anyway, God bless y'all.